Good morning. Glad to see we could make it in out of the rain and uh, survive, uh, what now, three or four straight days of turkey. Anybody going home to have turkey for the fourth straight time today? Uh, We're on three days in a row, if you count the leftovers and the soup that we made from the leftovers. And uh, yeah, we're we're on a pretty good roll. So I'm glad you were able to survive Thanksgiving and at least some of you survived. There's a few empty seats that obviously people didn't survive Thanksgiving. So, um, but uh, now that Thanksgiving is past us, it is officially Christmas time. I don't have a problem saying you know the holiday season because there's a lot of holidays we celebrate through here. But now it's officially Christmas season. Looking forward the next month, it's all about Christmas, and you know what that means, right? Christmas music on the radio, and yeah, I know some of you guys, you've had it on Spotify or Pandora since April. You can admit that. It's okay. You've been listening to it all year, but, but now you can listen to it on the radio. You, you'll hear it in stores when you go shopping. There's Christmas parties coming up at school, at work. There's a parade coming up this next week, and yes, it's Christmas movie season as well, too. Maybe you're like me, and you don't start watching Christmas movies until Thanksgiving. I like to save them until Thanksgiving, uh, even though they're some of my favorite movies. I, I don't watch them until uh, after Thanksgiving. Maybe you're like my wife, and you've been watching the Hallmark Channel for two months now, and you've seen the exact same storyline 137 times, and you still cry every time, <laughs> even though you know that she's going to fall in love with a nice guy who's not the rich CEO, but he's actually like the guy who owns the bakery in town, and it's about to close because the, the major corporation's about to put it out of business. You know, that guy's played by A.C. Slater from Saved by the Bell, and the girl is played by D.J. Tanner from Full House. It's just how they play out, right? That, that's kind of how they work. <laughs> well, today we're starting a new series, and, and um, there's a little uh, miscommunication on, on your, your bulletin. Um, Whatever's on there is not the series we're starting today, so it was a, a possibility. But starting a new series, uh, and given that I love Christmas movies, this is what we're going to do for the next few weeks, Christmas at the Movies. Uh, and I know I, I saw some reactions on Facebook this week. Somebody's like, how in the world is this going to work? Well, this is going to be fun. Today we're going to start off with my, one of my favorite Christmas movies, one of my favorite movies, period, and that's the movie Elf. Now, if you don't know Elf... There's some applause, and there's some like, oh, it's Will Ferrell. We hate that guy. <laughs> so I had this conversation after first service. Everybody either likes him or really, really does not. There's no in-between. So. But this movie came out in 2003, 14 years old, if you can believe that. And it stars Will Ferrell as uh, this guy named Buddy. And, and just a quick synopsis of the movie. If you don't know it, I'll just be honest, there's no major spoilers. You know what's coming the whole movie. But... As you, you watch it, Buddy is a baby. Uh, Santa Claus visits an orphanage, and Buddy crawls into his magic sack in the orphanage, and Santa takes him back to the North Pole. He doesn't realize that he's in there. So he's raised there at the North Pole by elves, specifically by a guy named Papa Elf, who's played by Bob Newhart. And Buddy grows up like an elf, but he doesn't realize that as he's growing as a human, the elves are, are still elves. And he, he never realizes that until he's like a full-grown man, and he's like six foot five, and and, and, you know, the elves are little. But, but Buddy has this spirit that's just this overwhelming spirit. And, and, and eventually he realizes he's a human. He's got a father named Walter Hobbs who's played by James Caan. He lives in New York City, and he's on the naughty list. He's not a very nice person, and Buddy has a really difficult time accepting that. 
So most of the movie is Buddy's journey to go to New York City and meet his father and, and get his father to accept him and accept joy and, and, and Christmas spirit into his life. And all the way through the movie, one of the things I love about it is regardless of his situation, regardless of where he's at right there at that moment in time, Buddy just always exudes joy. He's just always happy. He's always, always in a good mood. He's always exuding uh, joy. In fact, watch this clip from the movie. This is right when he gets to New York City. He's just finished his long journey uh, from the North Pole. And just watch his joyful spirit uh, as, as he starts exploring New York for the first time. And every time it rains, it rains. And it's from heaven. Don't you know each cloud contains banners from heaven? You'll find your fortune falling all over town. Be shining your umbrella. He's up, 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 upside down and trading for a package of sunshine and ravioli. Macaroni. If you want the thing you love, you did it! Congratulations! World's best cup of coffee. Great job, everybody. It's great to meet you. Hi. Now come over here, boy. Sam. And every time it rains, it rains. And don't you know it's confident? Every time it rains, it rains. Don't you know it's confident? Sam. Sam. All of it down, all of it down, all of it down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love that part with the gum. Yeah, he's getting it off the railing. And later on, he explains that, that elves live by four main food groups, candy, candy canes, candy corn, and syrup. So he's, he's always looking for candy uh, wherever he goes. You notice there with Buddy, one of the things about him, wherever he goes, whoever he encounters... He's just joyful. He's bringing this happiness with him. And part of the reason he does that is because he lives by the elf code. And the elf code uh, contains this truth that they share with everybody. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And he goes through the whole movie telling everybody this. If somebody's grumpy, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing. And he just starts breaking into song at random. And that's how he spreads Christmas cheer. And that's the, the goal for the holiday season, right? Is to spread Christmas cheer, to be joyful wherever you go. But let's, let's face the truth that a lot of us face coming into the holiday season. There's a lot right now that can rob your joy. There's a lot that's going on in our lives that can take your joy away. Uh, there's just the busyness of this time of the year. 
Parents, if you got kids that are school age, you understand what I'm talking about. It's chaos right now. There's stuff the rest of the year. There's Christmas parties at their school, at your office. There's, a, there's parades coming up you want to go to. You want to go see lights. You want to go do all of this stuff. And then you've got to take time to shop. And you've got to take time. And it's like, man, that just drains. There's so much going on. I don't have enough hours in the day and enough days in the week. So, man, Christmas is only four weeks away. It's coming up quick. We've got we to get things done. It's just, it's just draining. Or maybe it's, a, it's an uncertain next few months because of a diagnosis that you just got or you're about to get, and you don't know what's coming, and man, that's scary. And, and, and you're not feeling good, and it's draining you, and you're not able to do some of the things you really want to do that are your traditions. You're not able to go do everything with your family. Maybe this is your first year facing Christmas without someone. You've dealt with loss this year. You've lost somebody close to you. And this is your first Christmas, and man, that's, that's so hard. So difficult to do that. Maybe it's financial stress. I mean, this time of the year, more than any other, I think is a, just a, like a big banner in your face saying, yeah, you're not doing well financially. Because everything this time of the year costs money. Everything is expensive. And you want to get as much as you can for your family and your friends because you're a giver. You love to give, but you just don't have. And it's just showing you right in your face, kind of slapping you in the face saying, you don't have this. Oh, by the way, you can use this credit card if you want. Here's a temptation for you. You know January's coming though, right? And that bill's going to be there waiting for you. Man, there's just so much negativity and heaviness in our lives that this time of the year kind of shines more than other times. And in fact, there's a lot of people, and this, this breaks my heart, a lot of people who's like, man, I just dread Christmas. And I hate hearing that because I love this time of the year. I love this, this whole season. And I hate hearing people say, man, I dread it. But it's real. What they're facing is real. And, and the reason they're facing is because they struggle to find joy at this time of the year. So what I did this week is, is sitting down and watching this movie. And don't worry, I, I used the Bible too. I didn't just watch the movie for a sermon. <clears throat> thought about it. thought about just showing the whole movie and going, hey, watch this part. Okay, now watch this part. <laughs> but looking at the movie and looking at the Bible, a couple of lessons we can take out of, out of Buddy's life here and out of the Bible, that, that will help us with joy moving forward. First lesson is this. Life doesn't have to be perfect to be joyful. Life doesn't have to be perfect to be joyful. You're going to see a clip here in just a second of Buddy. Uh, this is the time when he's fully grown, and he's finally starting to realize he's not actually an elf, and he doesn't have it all together, and things start to fall apart for him. Watch this clip. As much as uh, Buddy was accepted by his family and friends, there were a few drawbacks to being a, a human in a, an elf's world. Hey, Ming Ming. Um be a little bit short on today's quota. It's all right, buddy. Just how many extra sketches did you get finished? Come on, buddy, how many? I made, uh, 85. Just say it. 
I'm the worst toy maker in the world. I'm a cotton-headed ninny muggins. <sighs> no, buddy, you're not a cotton-headed ninny muggins. We all just have different talents, that's all. Seems like everyone else has the same talents except for me. You you have you have lots of talents. Uh special talents, in fact. Like um uh, special talents? You changed the batteries in the smoke detector? Uh -huh. Sure did. Uh, yeah. Triple A's. And in six months, you'll have to check them again. Won't mm -hmm. yeah, And you're the only baritone in the elf choir. <laughs> you bring us down a whole octave. In a good way. <laughs> See, buddy, you're not a cotton-headed ninny-muggins. You're just... special. And so, Buddy was sent where the, the special elves work. <laughs> <laughs> If you've, you've seen that clip, you know how it ends. Buddy keeps testing the, the jack-in-the-box, and, and that's his job because he's, he's got special talents. And, and we've been there, right? Things in life don't go well. Things are falling apart. And you're like, man, I'm just awful. I'm a cotton-headed ninny muggins. And, and you have to be reminded, no, you're not. And it's okay for your life to not be perfect to find joy because as you see Buddy there, he looks unhappy. He's got unhappiness settling in. He's starting to realize some things about him. But the clip we showed earlier where he's walking around New York City comes right after this. And you see the joy he's got then. And what he, he, he gets is a fact that we need to understand when it comes between happiness and joy. The difference is this. Happiness is external, but joy is internal. Happiness is external. Joy is internal. Happiness is an emotion. It's reactionary. It's based on what's going on in our life right now. Things are making me happy or things are making me unhappy. That's typically the way it goes, right? You can be happy one moment. A little while later, you can be unhappy. It's just the way life works. That's how we all are. We're human. We feed off of those emotions. And in fact, when you look through the Bible and you see where different people are, are, are being described as happy or unhappy, it's just like us. It's in response to something that's happening in their lives. Uh, Leah, we mentioned a couple weeks ago the story uh, of, 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 of Joseph and all of his brothers and, and uh, Jacob and his wives and, and his wife Leah was happy because she was giving birth. It was, it was reaction. Even when God, it's described as God being happy or unhappy, it's in response to what's happening around him. And I think at times there's been this disconnect, especially in the church. And I'm one of these, you may be like me, I've been raised in church, I've been grown up in church and I've kind of, there's been this disconnect at times between uh, happiness and, and holiness. And you've got some pastors uh, that, that are kind of preaching more prosperity gospel, and it's like, God wants you to be happy. He just wants you to be happy. Go be happy. Go do what you want and be happy. And then there's like this massive pushback from this other side going, no, 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 no. God wants you to be holy, not happy, holy. You should be holy. You should follow him. You should be set apart, be other. And it's like there's this either or we've got to pick. And like most things, the answer is somewhere in the middle. It's not either extreme. It's somewhere in the middle. And I think we have this misconception a lot of times that we just assume God's unhappy. That God's just sitting on a cloud dictating things, going, you do this, you do that, you do this. You know, I'm, I'm in charge. You do what I tell you to do. And I think that's wrong. I think God's happy. God's joyful. And, and I think as, as a result of that, we can be happy too. Here's the catch to this. We should never seek happiness at the expense of holiness. And I don't want to chase this rabbit too far down the trail, but we should never seek happiness at the expense of holiness. Because you see, happiness, it's temporary. It's very nature, it's temporary. It, it's, it's based on what's happening in our lives. It can be here now, in half an hour it can be gone. 
Joy, on the other hand, it's different. Joy is not an emotional response. Joy is kind of an underlying foundational state of being. And it's because of joy that we have in our lives that we do get happy, that we do sense pleasure, that we do sense all of these good things. See, what it boils down to is this. Joy can actually transcend the external circumstances in your life. You saw there in the clip, Buddy was bummed. I mean, he's realizing, I'm not really an elf. You know, all this stuff's going wrong. Here's why I'm so bad at this. And in the very next clip that rolls, he says, you know, finds out he's actually a human. But he still has joy. And, and here's why. Because joy comes from God. Joy is not something that we just pick up and put in our pockets. Joy comes from God. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love the wording here. I love what what Werger put together here. Joy and peace, those are together. And those come from God, and because of those two, we have an overflowing sense of hope in our lives. That's kind of what we have. That's why you can see people who have everything in the world going against them and still have a joyful face. Uh, He doesn't know I'm about to pick on him, but most of you guys know Ron back here in the back row. Ron's one of our elders. Ron's up here at the building all the time taking care of stuff. His wife Pam works in our office and tells me what to do all the time. It works well. But um, Ron is just dealing with a lot right now, physically. And it's holding him back. It's bringing him down. And I know him and Pam well enough to know they're not happy about the situation. Nobody chooses that. They're not happy about it. It's, it's tough. It's difficult. It's changing what they're having to do day to day in their lives. But if you spent five seconds with Ron, you know his heart. And you know the joy that just pours out of his heart. And I don't know how many times, Ron, I've gone to you to cheer you up, and I've left cheered up. It's just the joy he has in his heart. That's just his nature. He's so good at that. And we see other people like this. Everything in the world is just caving in on them. And they've got this sense of joy. Like, how does this work? This person has no right to be happy. Look at all this, this mountain of everything in their lives. And yet they're happy. They're joyful. And they understand the difference between those two thoughts. The difference is this. Happiness is dependent on the flesh. Joy is dependent on the spirit. Happiness is dependent on the flesh. Joy is dependent on the spirit. But here's the cool thing about joy. Did you know that it's actually a gift that's given to you by God? Some of you are going to know this passage. Some of you have been raised in church. You've been in church a long time. You know this passage. If you haven't been, look in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians, one of the letters from Paul, chapter 5, verse 22. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. Those are the gifts of God that we are given. Now, again, if you've been around this passage a lot, if you've been in church for a long time, you may have seen this list of things. We need to be careful because too often especially if you've been a Christian for a long time, you look at this list and you start treating this as a checklist or a to-do list. And you're like, you know what? I need to have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control if I'm going to be a good Christian. And right now, you know what? I'm doing okay. I've got love. I've got joy. I've got peace. And I've got patience. But I'm not very kind. I'm not not very faithful. I'm not very gentle. So I mean, I'm only halfway there to being a a good Christian. I'm only halfway there to being Christ-like. 
Or some of you are like, you know what, I'm okay, I've got faithfulness, I've got gentleness, I've got self-control. I don't have patience. If you'd wrap this up quick, Kurt, that'd be great. (laughs) We have to be careful because this is not a to-do list. This is a results list. When Paul wrote this, he didn't write this with the mindset of, when you do all of these things, you'll be a good Christian. When you do all these things, you can say you're walking with Jesus. What he wrote it for was to say, when you walk with Jesus, these things will start showing up in your life. Because this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is what it means to walk with Jesus. You will get these things in your life. The more you try to imitate Christ and the more you try to take that next step with him and become more like him, the more these attributes will show up in your life. But don't think you have to have it all together. We don't have like this, this requirement checklist you have to, to fill out to get in the door. Because Jesus doesn't have that. Okay, we don't, we don't have to have our, our stuff together because none of us do. Life deals us situations that we don't like. Sometimes we get dealt situations, they're just, they're just crappy. I'm just going to say it. You're like, can he say that? I did. I'm sorry. They just are, man. They're awful. There's, it's a situation that we did not ask for, we don't like, and we can't do anything about except just keep moving forward. And I know for me, anytime one of those situations is staring at me or I see it in somebody that I'm close to that I know and that I love, man, I'm drawn back to the Christmas story. Yes, it's church. Yes, it's Christmas time. Yes, we're going to look at the story of Joseph and Mary. I'm required to do that by law. So turn with me to Luke <laughs> chapter 1. I made that last part up. Luke chapter 1, if you've got a Bible, turn there. If you've got a device, flip there. Uh, Luke's in the New Testament, the third book, about that far into it. <laughs> but Luke, we read this story about this teenage girl named Mary. And if you're unfamiliar with the Christmas story, or if you don't know some of the specifics, Mary's like 14 or 15 years old max. doesn't say exactly. Most scholars pin her at, at, at early to mid-teens. And like a lot of girls in that culture, she's engaged to somebody. She's promised to be married to this guy named Joseph. And here's what happens in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. It says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you were to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Verse 34, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, And the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. That's a totally believable story, right? (laughs) How many of you as parents, your 14-year-old girl comes home and goes, hey, guess what happened? (laughs) You're buying this story, right? Guys, think back to when you were engaged and your fiancé comes home and she's like, "Uh, we need to talk. And you're like, I know this wasn't me. Yeah, you're not buying this story, right? So why does Mary think anybody's going to buy her story? Now, you read the other Gospels, you know the angel comes to Joseph and tells him the same thing. Joseph's on par. Mary, all of a sudden, is looking at being an outcast. She's a teenage girl, and if you've been there, some of you have, 
you get pregnant as a teenager, or you've got a child who gets pregnant as a teenager, what's your first thought? Maybe you can't repeat it in this room. <laughs> but it's like, oh my word. Man, it's scary. There's probably thoughts, you probably your initial thoughts, my life's over. That's probably your initial thought. Very, very quick. Maybe quick, maybe gone. But it's not probably, oh, this is exactly what I've been planning for. You're probably not thinking, man, I am so joyful right now. But look at Mary. Go down a couple of verses to verse 46. Look at her reaction. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Mary turns all of this into joy. And how does she do that? She understands that joy comes when you surrender to God. When you let the Spirit guide and control and direct you, and you get out of his way, you get out of your own way, and you basically say, God, I'm yours. You lead me. I'm not going to fight you anymore. You take me, and you lead me. That's what Mary does, and she understands joy. And it's in that moment when you're able to, to move past those awful circumstances, and give up control of the Spirit, that you move from this state of seeking happiness to living in joy. Getting rid of the temporary thought that we all, all chase as, as humans to living and accepting this, this state of living in joy. And what I love about it is Mary, despite all of her circumstances, despite the social stigma she might have been catching coming up, she embraced joy because she got out of the Spirit's way and she understood that life does not have to be perfect to be joyful. That's the first lesson we get from this movie and from the Bible. The second lesson is this. True joy comes from knowing him. Some of you know what clip I'm about to show. <laughs> but Buddy's been in New York for a couple of days now, and he goes to work at this store. He kind of just gets put to work at this store called Gimbel's, which is basically Macy's. And he gets put up to work on the, uh, the North Pole Department. And here's what happens. Wow! What's this? This is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Can you sign this for me? Oh, hi. Santa's coming. Buddy doesn't quite understand the concept of a mall Santa. <laughs> you know, we see that all the time, and he doesn't understand the concept that, that somebody gets a job for a couple months to go let, uh, you know, kids sit on his lap and tell them what they want and take pictures. He doesn't quite get that. He knows the real Santa, and the real Santa in this movie is played by Edward Asner, and, and Santa's been somebody that's been in his life, his whole life. He helped raise him. He was a a mentor, a friend. And so now here he is in this new place, in this new culture, and everything is weird, and he doesn't know anybody. And Santa's coming. I know him. 
<laughs> he's so excited. And he has just more and more joy. I mean, you can see just, uh, he just screams he can't help himself. And here's what we can get out of that. You know what will bring joy to our lives, to your life? Knowing him. Not Santa. Jesus. Knowing him. That'll bring joy to your life. Some of you tomorrow are going to go to work at a job that you don't like. It's a paycheck, and that's all it is. And, and, and not only do you not like it, nobody else does either. It's just boring. It's monotonous. You're like, I'm just here. To, where's the clock? Five o'clock? Come on. But you know what? You can walk in there with a smile on your face, and somebody goes, why are you smiling? I know him. <laughs> you can just be excited. There's chaos this time of the year. Our lives can be a wreck. And in the midst of a wreck, in the midst of everything going on, you can just look at people. I know him. I'm excited. I'm joyful. You should be too. Maybe people ask, why are you smiling? And you can tell them, either smiling is my favorite, or you can tell them, I know him. Here's why that's good news. Because when you know him, you understand this promise that Paul gives us in Romans chapter 10. When he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've got a Bible, if you've got an actual Bible, underline the word everyone. Because you know who's included in everyone? Everyone. All of us. We're all included. And you're like, Kurt, you don't get it. You don't know my life. You don't know what I've been through this last year. I've lied to people. I've cheated people. I've hurt people. I've spit in God's face. I've walked away. Guess what? You're everyone. You're everyone. We've all done those things. The guy who wrote this verse did every one of those. Paul lied to people. He hurt people. He, he spit in God's face. He ran away from the church. And he understood this truth because he came to know him. He came to know Jesus, and because he knew him, he understood this verse, and he, he laid out the way to do this, the way to know him, the way to be, become saved. A few verses earlier, look back in verse 9 of Romans 10. Paul gives us the formula. He says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, period. End of statement. No conditions. No asterisk. No disclaimer. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's it. That's what it means to know him. And let me tell you this, the more you get to know him, the more you take that next step and walk with him more, the more you're going to leave all of this other junk behind you, this life of sin, this life that we all have, the more you become like Jesus and walk with him, the more that stuff just vanishes. And it'll trickle back as temptation, yes, but you're walking away from all of that. You're no longer turning your back on God. You're turning your back on the world. That's what it means to know him, and that's how you can find joy in knowing him. There's no magic formula here, folks. There's no, like, hidden secret. It's that simple. Here in a moment, I'm going to ask you all to say a prayer with me. And if you fall into one of these two categories today, if you're struggling with joy this time of the year, or if you're in this boat over here saying, I don't really know him and I want to, I'm going to ask both of you to, to really sincerely pray this prayer with me. The rest of you, you can pray it in support of the rest of us. It's a good reminder too. 
But if you're in one of those two boats, you're struggling with joy, or you are, are trying to know him more, please pray this with me. And then if you're in this other category here of, of, of you want to know him more, could I ask you another question? Take another step. Would you meet me over in this area after service? Because if you've got questions, I'll try to help. I may not have an answer, but I'll try to help. But, but we'd love to let you know more about him. Because that's what it boils down to. Joy comes when we realize you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. It comes from knowing him. So pray this prayer with me. Uh, Father God, repeat this prayer after me. Father, I thank you for Jesus. Lord, I ask you that you would show me more about you so that I can know you better, so that I can know who Jesus is. Help me find joy even in the midst of circumstances that I don't like, that I can't control, and that I can do nothing about. God, help me understand joy because I know that joy comes from you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we, God, are so thankful that you show us, God, the difference in just momentary happiness and joy that can be foundational in our lives. And God, my, my prayer today is that wherever we are, whatever, whatever circumstances are staring us in the face, God, you would remind us that those are momentary as well. But true joy comes from you, and it comes from knowing you. So God, wherever, wherever we are in this room today, if we're struggling with joy, God, I, I ask that you would just come alongside and give us that reminder, that comfort, that encouragement. I love you and I'm right here with you. And I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And the more you know me, the more you're gonna know joy. And God, if somebody is here today and they want to know you more and know about you more, God, that you could... Just put the questions in their heart that they could ask us or they could ask somebody else and, and we could help point them to becoming more like you so they could know you better. God, we're thankful that we can get lessons even out of silly movies. But God, mostly we're thankful that we can learn about you from reading your word. God, we're thankful for you. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.